Ephesians chapter 5 in your Bibles. Ephesians 5. And this morning I want to speak about being spirit-filled. We're going through the book of Ephesians, as you know, and this is where we're at. We're working through it. The Lord didn't want me to, to continue with it earlier on in a year, and he wanted me to go through the book of Psalms. I really enjoyed the book of Psalms. So, but... I was praying, I said, Lord, do you want me to go back to Ephesians? I felt like the Lord was, was going to have me go through the book of Ephesians. I think this is a very important message. I think this subject we're going to talk about this morning is probably the most confused subject ever. There's a lot of doctrines in the Bible that people get confused over, and there's a lot of confusion over, like baptism and even salvation and different things. But the Holy Spirit is probably the most confusing to men. And really... I'm not 100% sure why. I was doing maths with Hannah, and I, I like maths. I had good maths teachers in school. I always had good maths teachers in primary school, secondary school, all the way through. Even in college, I had a good maths teacher. I'll tell you how good he was, and this is university. Uh, uh, he, he would basically do all the, all the maths. It was, it was his calculus on the board, and whatever. I didn't remember what we did. I just remember calculus. I always enjoyed differential calculus and, and integral calculus. I just enjoyed that stuff. It just sort of made sense to me. But he, and if you basically could follow his reasoning, you could, you could do well in the exams. So it was always good. I enjoyed that. But there are some teachers I had in college... And you may know the same, those of you going into college, just to let you know, there are some teachers you have in college, and they have this knack of making something very simple, something very difficult. And it's like, it's not hard. Hannah and I were doing the, 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 the formula for a slope, and those of you in school remember, or who are in school right now, this formula slope M equals Y2 minus Y1 over X2 minus X1. If you have two points, you can find a slope on the next Y plane, okay? And it, it's really not hard. But when you see the Y's and the X's, you're like, ah, information overload. But when you actually take a look at it, you see the points, it's, it's not hard. And Hannah said to me, Dad, she said, I, the teacher I had last night, last time, I just couldn't understand why is it. And I just had to say to her, some people are really, really smart and they know so much, but they find it very difficult to break it down and make it simple. And I, I like to think simply because I'm, I'm simple in my thinking. And so I, if it's difficult, I just want to make it, make it simple for everybody to understand because I like to think simply because that's the way I operate. And, you know, we can make something difficult, simply something that's very simple, very difficult. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. Teachers can make the subject of the Holy Spirit very difficult when really it's quite simple. This morning I want to take an honest look at Ephesians 5 as it deals with the subject of being spirit-filled. And we're going to discuss what it really means to be filled with the Spirit. Now let's remember what we've already remember, learned from uh, Ephesians chapter 4. That we need to put off the old man and put on the new man and walk in the new man. We will never be spirit-filled if we are not able to put off the old man. We've got to put off the old man. And then last week we talked about being a follower of the Lord, which means walking in his love, walking in his light, walking in excuse me, his revealed will. That's our foundation. If the foundation is not right, you won't get it right. So we have to get the foundation right. Ephesians chapter 4 sets the foundation. Ephesians 5 sets the foundation for being filled with the Spirit. So as believers, 
who seek to put on the new man. And by the way, can I just say how simple this is or how beautiful this is? I was playing football with the ORU lads, and as we do every week, and, and I shared with you already that when we played football, I couldn't tell who was a Christian and who wasn't. So much cursing was going on, and these guys, I know they are come from an addiction background, I understand that, I mean, make allowances for that. But it was constant. And so I talked to them about this, about putting off the old man, I just said, lads, I just, I, I honestly, I know some of you can say you're saved, but I don't see it. If the football was how you judge whether you're a Christian or not, I can't see it. And it was a wonderful, wonderful session. <coughs> they, were they came to me at football the next week and said, that helped. And some of them came to me and said, look, I'm a new man. Praise God. These guys are only new to Christianity, folks. Some of them just got saved a couple of weeks ago, some a couple of months ago, but they can apply beautiful truth of putting off the old man and putting on the new man. We can do this, folks. We can do this. So as we put off the old and put on the new, and as we walk in the love of God and in the light of God and in his revealed will, let's now discuss what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. <clears throat> and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Can we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your word is simple. God, forgive us as teachers when we make things that are simple difficult. Help us to break down the simplicity and the beauty of your word. Help us just do what the Bible says. And Lord, there may be people here this morning and say, I've tried to be filled with the Spirit. It doesn't work for me. That's not an option, Lord. It's not okay to think that way. There may be people here this morning who say, I don't know what it means to be filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> but I want to learn. Let us have that attitude, all of us. No matter how long we've been saved, help us put off the old. Let's start again with the new. Let us pursue the Lord. Let us follow the Lord. And I pray this morning we will apply the scriptures. Lord, thank you for using it in my life. You use it my week all week. It's been going through my mind all week. Lord, don't let it be limited to one week. Help us apply your word all the time. And may we all know what it means to walk in the spirit and be the spirit filled. Because that's the command of scripture. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, first thing with you. Number one I want to share. Number one. A spiritual man, very simply, we're not going to make this complicated, brethren, because we, the scriptures are simple in this. A spiritual man is not filled with anything else. That's what it means to be spirit-filled. You're not filled with anything else. To be filled <clears throat> means to be replete, filled, crammed with the spirit, so there's no room for anything else. It means to be imbued, influenced, supplied, complete with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when a family member makes me a cup of tea, and I mean, Auntie D, I, I think it was Auntie D that got me the big, the, the Mr. Strong cup, was that you, from you? Yeah. So she used to fill that cup up. Now that cup is worth about three cups. I don't need that much tea. But if you give me a regular cup, don't give me half a cup. I don't want my cup half full. I want my cup 
full to the brim. Are you with me this morning? I like my, give me, fill my cup. You with me here? Now, I don't want you to spill it all over the place, so I misunderstand. But I do want a full cup. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit, a full cup. Are you with me here? Several years ago, I think I shared with this, this with you already, we were in Chicago, we were on our way back home from, in, from America, we were heading to Chicago area. And if you know anything about rest areas in Chicago, they charge you a fortune. And back then, I paid, this was a long time ago, I paid $5 for a Starbucks cappuccino. That's a lot of money back then. Now everything is $5, right? Or, or more. But anyway, so I got my $5 ca uh, cappuccino, and I didn't realize this. It sort of struck me for the first time in my life the difference between a cappuccino and a latte is the cappuccino, they have the same substance, they have the same constituent parts, but the cappuccino has half the amount. Some people say, oh, the latte is for ladies and cappuccino is for men. Well, I don't want half a cup. I want a full cup. So I went to Starbucks, I got my extra large cappuccino and I looked at it, it was half full. So I went back to her and she was not happy. She didn't speak much English, but whatever she spoke, she wasn't happy with me. I said, fill it up. Fill it up. I want a full cup. I paid for a full cup. Give me a full cup. So, whatever she said, she filled it up again. I was happy with that. That's what it means to be filled. God wants us to be filled with the Spirit. You see, I, I'm, I'm still not getting it. What does it mean to be filled? I'll tell you what it means to be filled with the Spirit. You bring your kids to one of these restaurants. Yeah, and you know they have the taps on the outside for your fizzy drinks. You say, here's your cup. You're only allowed one fill, no refills. I can promise you, to use Brother Colleen's words, they will fill that so overflowing you wouldn't get even a bubble in there. Are you with me here? That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. That's what it means. Children make great object lessons, don't they? You know, the negative influence or the negative illustration is here, here in verse 18. It says here, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. That's the negative. Why should we not be filled with wine? Proverbs 20 verse 1. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. When someone is deceived with wine, he is filled with wine. Proverbs 23, verse 20. Be not among wine-bibbers, among rioters, eaters of the flesh. And yesterday, as we went to that school reunion, um, they always want to meet in the pub. So we started this new tradition. If I'm going to meet with them, I'm not meeting in a pub. We're going to meet in a restaurant. So we, we went to Milano's, and every single time, and I know it only happens every 10 or 15 years, they say, please come on to the pub, only for an hour. Oh, drink this, this new thing called Guinness Zero. I said, no. You say, why did you say that? Because the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 20, be not among wine bibbers. That's the Bible says. I can't go, I can't go. I'd love to see those people. Some of those people didn't come for a meal. I'd love to see them. But I'm not willing to compromise what I believe from the scriptures. I can't do it. And they were very respectful, and I appreciate that. But the Bible says, be not among wine bibbers, among righteous issues of the flesh, those who satisfy their needs. These are people who satisfy their needs with alcohol. And there are some people who can't go and can't sit down and get a drink until they're drunk. They're filling themselves with wine or alcohol or whatever it is, whatever form of alcohol. They're filling it and, they're make, and, and, and these people don't make good companions, the Bible says. Don't be among those people. Why? Because they shall come to poverty. Proverbs 23, verse 21. Proverbs 23 goes on and says this, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without a cause? 
who have redness of eyes, they that carry along at the wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its colour in the cup, when it moveth itself aright, at last it biteth like a serpent, it stingeth like an adder. That is alcohol, brethren. That's what it does. It is to be avoided. Those who are filled with wine are under the influence of wine. And let's go quickly to Proverbs 23 because I wanted to show you something. Proverbs 23. I should have read it directly from the Bible. But Proverbs 23, rather than quoting it, Proverbs 23 there. Proverbs 23, please, in your Bible. This is the negative example used because it really brings out what God wants in being filled with the Spirit by using a negative example. As the drunkard is filled with alcohol, so you're to be filled with the Spirit. Proverbs 29, I'm going to read those verses again. Who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contention, who hath babbling, who hath wounds without a cause. Verse 29. Who had redness of eyes, they that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, which is enhancing the alcohol value, putting drugs in it or an extra alcohol. Look now thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its colour in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. And this is the alcoholic content of, 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 of the wine here, because not all wine had alcohol in Bible times. Some of it was just pure grape juice, like we use for the Lord's table. Some of them was alcoholic. And said, so don't touch that stuff. Verse 32, at last, abide it like a serpent, it stayeth like an adder. Now verse 33 is the verse I want to focus on. Thine eyes shall behold strange women. Thine heart shall utter perverse things. And what we see in verse 33, brethren, is it affects what they are, what their eyes look upon when people are under the influence. It affects what their eyes look upon. It affects what their hearts think. It affects what their, what their mouths speak because it's the wrong spirit. You with me here? It's the wrong spirit. In contrast, we're back in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, so we're seeing what, biblically what, what God does not want for us to be filled with. Verse 18. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. Don't be filled with alcohol. But in contrast, and here's the contradistinction here, be filled with the Spirit. Because why should we be filled with the Spirit? Because if the alcohol affects what our hearts think and what our mouths speak, then being filled with the Spirit affects what our hearts think and what our mouths speak. Do you understand? Being filled with the Holy Spirit affects us. It changes us. Remember, we talked in Sunday school class, to have good discernment, you need to have good character. Well, how is our character refined? Is it not through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? It's the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit working in our, our lives. The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 8, I think you know these verses. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think of these things. Brethren, that is the person who's filled with the Holy Spirit of God. This is what goes on in the life and the mind of someone who's filled with the Spirit of God. God wants to be filled with His Holy Spirit. Brethren, the reason why we often are not filled with the Holy Spirit the way we want to be, I've got to believe that every single Christian wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Would I be right about that? I think the reason why we're not is because we get distracted. We're distracted. We're distracted by our work. We're distracted by our schooling. 
And neither of those places tend to be Christian environments. We'd all love to be under Boaz. The Lord bless thee. That would have been a wonderful environment, a working environment, where it was being like a, a Christian environment, if you like, back then. We'd have loved that, but most of us don't have those type of environments. Most of the time we work with people and they're cursing all the time and they can't speak without blaspheming. And you love to see these people. You enjoy the company of these people, but you're grieved by their speech. Are you with me here this morning? As much as you love them so dearly. It's not always a Christian environment, a good environment. We're distracted. And brethren, it's hard uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit when our environment is stressful and is often the opposite of the environment we really need. We're distracted by our trials. We're distracted by our temptations. We all face temptations, don't we? Do you ever notice when you really seek the Lord, temptations come heavily on, even more heavily on you? Do you ever notice that? Am I the only one that happens? I think it happens to all of us, doesn't it? You're seeking the Lord and it gets, the temptations get, get harder for us sometimes. Like the wine bibber, we can purposely fall into temptation but how can we be filled with the precious Holy Spirit of God if we're giving in to temptation? We've got to consider Christ. Let's go to Luke chapter 4 there. Keep your marker in Ephesians 5, but Luke chapter 4. I want to show you something here which was a big encouragement to me, and I hope it will be to you. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Look what it says here. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan. Now, he'd just been baptized by John the Baptist. And the Bible says, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was full of the Holy Spirit, going right into temptation. Now, go skip down to verse 14. He went through all his temptations. He came through to the other side, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. And then went to the fame of him throughout all the regions around about. Brethren, I want to tell you this morning, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I know it's hard to be filled with the Holy Spirit when you're facing temptations. I know it's hard to be filled with the Holy Spirit when you're facing trials. I know it's hard to be filled with the Holy Spirit when your environment is adverse, when you hear things you don't want to hear, when you're exposed to things you don't want to be exposed to. But I can tell you one thing, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he went into the wilderness, heard things he didn't want to hear and was exposed to things he didn't want to be exposed to. But the encouraging thing is, he went through the other side, he began to fill the Holy Spirit, he ended filled with the Holy Spirit, and he is our example. If he can be filled with the Holy Spirit, so can we. You, we can be, brethren. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, some people say, you know, if I wasn't working in this environment, I'd find it much easier to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's possibly true. But you know what I've noticed? The biggest obstacle to me being filled with the Holy Spirit is me. And no matter where you go, you still got to deal with you. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be. Jesus led by example. Knowing trials and temptations were coming, our Lord began and ended his day filled with the Holy Spirit, and he led the way before us. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit if we honestly confess that when God reveals sin. Sometimes we justify ourselves. Sometimes we argue our point. 
Sometimes we make excuses for why we responded the wrong way. And those reasonings are, seem very valid to us. But that's not going to help us forsake sin, is it? If we walk in the light, if we walk in His love, if we walk in His will, not making any excuses, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit if we make that our main priority in life. Brethren, I do believe that we should make being filled with the Holy Spirit a main priority in our lives, wouldn't you? Because it would help a lot of things fall into place for us. A Spirit-filled man is not filled with anything else. But secondly, this morning, we're back in Ephesians chapter 5. A Spirit-filled man privately worships the Lord. Now, Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians chapter 3 are parallel passages. But Ephesians chapter 5 in this aspect deals with the private, but moves on to the public. And Colossians chapter 3 deals, deals with the public. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, first of all, deals with the private. Look at it says here, speaking to yourselves. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Speaking to yourselves. A spirit-filled man speaks to himself first. True worship is a private matter first before it's public. Genesis chapter 8 verse 20, Noah builded an altar unto the Lord. He had his own worship time after he got off the ark. Genesis 12 verse 7, Abraham built an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Jacob did the same, Genesis 35. Moses did the same in Exodus chapter 17 verse 15. Brethren, these, all these men had their own relationship with God. They all built their own altar, so to speak. They all privately worshipped before they publicly worshipped. That's what spirit-filled people do. Your private devotion is what produces your public devotion. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret. You see, the prayer meetings that should be the longest, dear brethren, are the prayer meetings that are private. You don't want to go to a public prayer meeting and have a long prayer meeting if you don't have a private prayer meeting first. Does that make sense? So what happens publicly comes out of what's going on privately in your life. And I can guarantee you... If you have a very sweet relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and you enjoy his sweet presence and you spend time with him privately, when you pray publicly, you're going to bless a lot of people. It's going to be a blessing. Matthew 6, verse 3. Let not thy left hand know what thy right hand is doing. What thy right hand doing. So whether you pray or give or worship, your public display should be a true reflection of your private devotion. Look at again what it says in verse 9, speaking to yourselves. Verse 19, the spirit-filled man speaks to himself first. But also the spirit-filled man, spirit man speaks to himself. He speaks. To speak means to talk to yourself, to preach to yourself. It's the Greek word lalao, which means to talk or to preach and, and to speak. And, and the, the spirit-filled believer will correct himself. He'll give himself a good talking to. Remember Nehemiah, he consulted with himself. He had a great conversation with himself. Sometimes when I'm praying, I don't know whether I'm talking to myself or I'm talking to God. You know the way that is. Sometimes you're talking to yourself. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm talking to the Lord. Oh yeah, I have to bring the Lord into this one. 
We need to correct ourselves, brethren, because the, the hymn says it so well. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Isn't that us? If we're honest, we tend to wander very quickly. Like Timothy, we must stir up the gift of God that is within us. The spirit-filled believer will stir up that gift privately, first of all, using psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You say, what's the difference? Well, sometimes it's quite hard to tell the difference. But to the best of my ability, I'll try to parse the differences. Number one, the psalms are the psalms of David, 150 of them, book of psalms. They're, that's our hymn book in the Bible. 150 psalms. There's the psalms. Then the hymns. They were odes specifically written to praise God. Hymns may refer to other scriptures that were sung or to scriptural sacred songs which praise God. Hymns are sacred songs of objective praise. Holy, holy, holy. Would you say that's a good hymn? We all love that hymn, don't we? How great thou art! How great thou art. I mean, even saying the words blesses your soul, don't they? Hymns. But we're not limited just to psalms or the hymns. Then the Bible says, speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What are spiritual songs? Spiritual songs were short poems sung in festivity. We might call them um, choruses. The pagans had their music for their festivities. And the Christians have their music for their festivities. <coughs> me. The pagan music should be very different to the Christian music. Would you agree with that? Very, very different. The pagans would get drunk and they would sing their profane songs. But the spirit-filled believers would be filled with the spirit of God, not that different spirit. And they would sing their Christian songs, their sacred songs. They were to worship like this privately and then collectively they would worship. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, teaching and admonishing one another. The parallel passage I told you about that's similar to Ephesians 5, teaching and admonishing one another. So now they would get together and sing in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Brethren, before we gather together to sing the songs and the hymns, we should be singing that stuff at home, shouldn't we? Worshipping the Lord. And then when you hear the hymn coming on, you're saying, Oh, that's one of my favorites. I'm going to belt it out there. Because it's great to worship, isn't it? The Bible says, singing, and what does it say in verse 19? Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The phrase there, making melody, means to pluck on the strings. So they would have the harp, they suppose they'd pluck on the strings. We could pluck on the strings with a, a, a guitar on a Wednesday night. We have the guitar there. You could pluck on a violin. It's not usually done that way, but you can do that. Or we could use the bow and the violin as we usually do. But making melody unto the Lord. The spiritual believer demonstrates a heart which exalts scripture, enjoys sacred music. And I'm using the word sacred because it's specifically dedicated to God as holy, as very distinct from the world's music. You with me here? Sacred music. And then sings with grace, privately and then publicly. So number one, a spirit-filled man is not filled with anything else. And number two, a spirit-filled man privately worships the Lord. But finally, a spirit-filled man has a spirit of thankfulness. Look at verse 20 here, verse 20. 
giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sorry, this is not quite finally. I have one more point after this, but a spiritual man has a spirit of thankfulness. Some do not always have this, the attitude of gratitude. Sometimes we think, <coughs> excuse me, that when we receive blessing in our lives, we deserve it. We've earned it. We put in the hard work and we're getting it back again. It's like karma, what goes around comes around. <coughs> and I know, <coughs> excuse me, I know there's a lot of truth to that. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So I, I understand that there is blessing because of hard work. If we sow blessing, we will receive it back again. We all understand that, right? It's like the pastor. And he was buying a, a brand new, no, it wasn't brand new, but it was a second-hand Toyota Camry. And I think you remind me of it. And uh, he, he, he said, can we pray? He said to the second-hand car salesman, can we pray over this car? He said, Lord, I feel that this man has treated me well. Please bless him according to how he has treated me. <laughs> you should have seen the man's face. Now, we like to hear those prayers if we've done well by people. And we think we deserve blessing if we've been a blessing to other people. And uh, so sometimes we, 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 we may not have an attitude of gratitude. We may not have a thankful spirit because we think we deserve that. Some people are like that. Others might give thanks for good things. They're thankful. But not for all things. They're thankful for good things. And, and so all things that they should be thankful for would include things of life that frustrate us. It's hard to give thanks when frustrating things come our way. Would you agree with that? It's hard. What happens if somebody hurts you? Or, or, or people hurt you? Or things hurt you? Or everything you try to do just falls apart? Or you think you're about to get on your feet and then you fall flat on I think that happens to all of us at times, isn't that right? That's hard to give thanks. But I'm reading in my Bible, in verse 20, it says you're giving thanks always for all things. And brethren, I submit to you this morning, it's hard to give thanks for all things. We can give thanks for some things, the good things. But the Bible tells us to give thanks for all things. And I want to tell you this morning, the only way we can give thanks for all things is if we know in our hearts all things work together for good. Then they'll love God. Then they're called according to His purpose. And so, when things aren't going your way, I encourage you start to thank God that He has a purpose in all this. It's hard, isn't it? So, some don't really have an attitude of gratitude at all, and others may give thanks for the good thing, but not that all things. But many might give thanks for all things, but not always. Verse twenty says here, giving thanks. Always for all things. Now to always have an attitude of gratitude, no matter what's going on in your life, takes a spirit-filled man. That's not normal. Something wrong with that person. That's the spirit of the law. It's not the letter of the law. And that takes a walk with God that you and I may not have. But we need to get there. We need to have that type of attitude. We need to have that walk with God. Because that's what it means to be spirit-filled. To always be thankful no matter what's going on in our lives. 
preacher friend of mine, and I think I've shared with this, this with you a long time ago, so you, I want to remind you, but a preacher friend of mine was in his car, and he received a phone call. He knew his sister-in-law had an incurable disease, I don't remember, I think it was cancer. And she was dying of cancer, six months to live, whatever it was. His brother called him up. I, remember, I still remember him telling me this story because I know the family. And he was preaching, he shared this illustration and said, and then I received a phone call from my brother. He says, I've just been diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. They had five kids. And the man who was receiving, the preacher who received this phone call knew he was going to take, have to take in those kids. Their family, life. And he did, he took them in, he raised them. But you know what he said as he was preaching? He said, I knew when I received that phone call from my brother, it was another one of those all things. All things were together for good. Present, that's being spirit-filled, isn't it? When somebody cuts you off, you want to beep on your horn and let them know what you think of them. It's hard to be filled with spirit when you're driving. Imagine putting on the back of your car, be a follower of me as I follow Christ. Ouch. It's <laughs> all I can say, ouch. Maybe some of you can do that, but it's challenging for others. Being spirit-filled is a challenge, but brethren, I want to tell you this morning, if we have the right attitude, if we have a thankful attitude, if we develop an attitude of no matter what's going on in our lives, I'm going to give thanks, that helps, doesn't it? We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. The one who is to receive our spirit of thankfulness is the Trinity. Look at verse 20. It says here, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You've got the God the Father, you've got the Son, you've got the Holy Spirit. That's all the Trinity, right? When things go wrong in our lives, who gets to blame? It's, it's the Trinity. Well, how about we make a conscious decision that no matter what happens in our lives, we're going to bless the Trinity. We're going to give thanks to Him. We're going to have an attitude of gratitude irrespective of the circumstances. And I can tell you something, that's easy to preach, isn't it? Very different to live. But it's faith, it's trust. And it's what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. May the Lord teach us to give thanks at the beginning of our trials. So that we, like the Lord Jesus Christ, can go through the end filled with the Holy Spirit. Finally, and I do mean finally this time, a spirit-filled man is not filled with anything else, we said. A spirit-filled man privately worships the Lord. We also said a spirit-filled man has a spirit of thankfulness. But finally, this is perhaps the most challenging one. A spirit-filled man has a, a spirit of submission. A spirit-filled man has a spirit of submission. I can go to verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands and... I can feel the tension already in the room. The dagger eyes are looking at me and I'm in trouble. I'm going to say something. And they're looking for me to say something that's going to, they're going to get me. But I'm not going to go to verse 22. That's next week. That doesn't mean you don't turn up next week. <laughs> I'm going to do verse 21. Verse 21 says, Submission yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Because a Spirit-filled man has a spirit of submission. 
To submit means to subordinate yourself, to subject yourself, or to subdue yourself under. Submission is irrespective of the other party. And I hear people say it all the time, I will do what's right if he does what's right. That's not what the Bible teaches. Submission is irrespective of the other party. I will do my part if he does his part. That's not what the Bible says. I will be more peaceable if he's more peaceable. I'll be more gentle if he's more gentle. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't address him. The Bible addresses you. I can reverse it around. The Bible doesn't address her. It addresses you. I'm talking generically here. I hope you understand that. The Bible, this sermon, is not for the person sitting beside you. The sermon is not for the person sitting at home. This sermon is not for your brother, for your sister, for your aunt, for your uncle. This sermon this morning is for you. You can't fix somebody else. You can't fix that person who should be here this morning. Or the person who is here but who doesn't want to be here this morning. You can't fix that person. There's only one person in this room you can fix. Say, where is that person? There's a mirror somewhere. Go look at it. You'll find that person. By God's grace, that's the only person you can fix. And God says, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's you doing your part. And a spiritual man has a spirit of submission. Subordination. Subjection. None of us can blame another for our failure to be filled with God's Spirit. And we can be very good at pointing the finger. We can be intricately able to, in great detail, explain the failures of other people. But when we put the microscope on, our, uh, microscope on ourselves, the, we are, are unable to find the words to express our own faults. That's called human nature, isn't it? We're very good at fault-finding and pointing the finger at somebody else. That's not being filled with the Spirit, though. We will stand or fall on our own before God. You can't blame somebody else. We either are submissive in our hearts or we're not. We're either filling the Holy Spirit or we're not. And God knows how to bring the right people our way who can press those buttons in our lives and they show us how to fill the Holy Spirit or not. You can step out and begin a brand new day and you can be determined I'm going to live the Christian life today and somebody comes your way and presses your buttons and your <laughs> anger starts to rise and you've lost the plot and all they've done is said just want to show you a fault in your life <laughs> but you don't see it that way they ruined your day but no they God was showing you something you need to address in your life so you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because brethren, God wants you to be filled with the Spirit. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you can't be. Submission is irrespective of the other party. And when other people press our buttons, all they're doing is demonstrating everything that God sees already. God has called us. My understanding, there's, there's hierarchies, uh, if, if, I don't know, in, in the home, should I say, and there are roles in the Christian life. I understand that. We'll deal with that next week. But God has called us to submit one to another. And I have some, I have some exciting things I want to share with you. 
God has called us to submit one to another. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to other, another in the fear of God. Now this is strange, so bear with me. Submitting one to another means that masters are, sub, are to submit to servants. It means that parents are to submit to children. I see children getting very excited about this. It means that husbands are to submit to wives. Now that seems the complete opposite to what the Bible teaches, but I want, to bear, I want you to bear with me. It's not backwards. It does not mean that wives now can take up the mantle of leadership in the home. And it does not mean that children can now do what the world says. You rule, kids, because that's what the world says, and that's not scriptural at all. That's not what it means. What does it mean? What it means is, we should have a heart attitude that says, I don't want to be first in my own cause. People who don't have a spirit of submission are number one in their lives. And it's my way or the highway. I'm in charge here. You'll do what I say. You'll do it the way I want to do it. It's all about what I want. That's not a spirit of submission. Submission doesn't mean that. And you can have someone who's, who, and this is the, where it gets a bit tricky, because you've got a leader trying to lead, and then there, you could have people saying, it's not about your will, it's not about your way, and what they're trying to do is trying to control you, because they don't have the spirit of submission themselves. You with me here? That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about a leader leading, and the people wanting to follow, but the leader isn't first in his own cause. And this is what a, a, a spirit of submission says. I am more interested in your future than I'm interested in my future. I'm more interested in what you need than what I need. I want to put you first. I want to help you and everything I do. You may not like what I'm saying. You may not like the way I say it. You may not like what I'm doing. But I'm doing it for you. Because that's what Jesus did. When Jesus left heaven's glory, he wasn't doing it for him, he was doing it for us. Brethren, he submitted to us. The creator submitted to the creature. That's backwards. But it's amazing leadership, isn't it? Because he taught us to serve other people when we're so used to serving our own interests. You with me here? Self-interested people destroy unity. They destroy homes, they destroy churches, they destroy, destroy society. Our society is absolutely disintegrating around us because the media is completely self-interested, it's completely one-sided. You will never get the truth out of the media. Please don't even think of looking for the truth out of it. You're only going to hear one side, you're never going to hear the other side. That's not fair. You with me here this morning? Self-interest. We have a self-interested government who all they want to do is listen to lobbyists. It's not fair. You're not hearing the other side. There's no spirit of submission. The spirit of submission should be, how can I help you? Forget about me. It's not about me. How can I help you? It's very, very different than following popular interest groups, isn't it? How can I help you? How can I afford you? How can I honor God and help you to honor God? Brethren, I want to tell you something. Those who demonstrate submission make amazing leaders. 
Because it's not about their leadership skills or their leadership styles or the things they've accomplished. And I'm studying Saul in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel. We're going to go through it in Sunday school class somewhere down the time, somewhere in time in the future. But Saul was so self-interested. It was all about him. That's not leadership. Leadership is, how can I help you? As a parent, all we want to do is make our children successful. We want them to choose the course that's right for them. And if college is right for them, let them go to college. If college is wrong for them, they don't need to go to college. We don't choose their future. God chooses their future. We're here to support it. Can I hear an amen for that? That's what we're here. We're here to make our children successful. Number one with God, number two in life. That's what we're here for. And as husbands, our job is to help our wives as much as we can. To serve them, to help them to grow in their relationship with God. To keep their priorities straight. That's our job. That's submission, isn't it? And the wives obviously are, their job is to support their husbands. That's biblical, right? Spirit of submission is obvious. Brethren, we should have a spirit of submission. Submission is a hard attitude. I don't want my own cause. I, I want to meet your needs. That's what Jesus did. And it makes a fantastic leader. It's not about them. It's not about the cause of the leader. It's not for the glory of the leader. It's for God. For his glory. Those with a heart of submission are not proud. They embrace humility. They're filled with the spirit. And you know why the spirit of submission is so powerful? Because those who have the spirit of submission when they lead... They are successful in helping people to be what they're supposed to be. And you can't make somebody else successful, but you can help. And those with the spirit of submission, all they want to do is help others become successful for the Lord. Spiritually, first and foremost, because our spiritual lives are more important than anything else. Would you agree with that? It's powerful. So this morning we have spoken about what it means to be spirit-filled. A spirit-filled man is not filled with anything else. I want to ask you this morning, have you confessed every sin that God has brought before your heart? Have you come clean? Have you been honest? And brethren, I'll be completely honest with you, there are some sins that are very deep-rooted in our lives that need to come out. Have you allowed God to dig deep? And I can tell you from first-hand experience, when God digs deep, it's very painful. But it's worth it. Because I know what happens when you get to the other side of it. Are you spirit-filled? Are you, have, have, you, have you suicide? I'm not leaving any room for anything else. Number two, the spirit-filled man privately worships the Lord. Do you have your own private altar? I always talk about you read your Bible, you pray. Let's talk about altar. Do you have your own relationship with God? Do you get alone with God and it's just you and God time and you just love it? And it's like the whole world could go away. I don't care. I just want to get away from people just for an hour so I can just get along with God so I can enjoy Him. I don't want my phone. I don't want to hear from people. No offense to anybody else. I just want to hear from God. Do you have that? A spirit-filled man, thirdly, has a spirit of thankfulness. Do you express thanks to the Lord no matter what's going on in your life at all times? That's a challenge. I'll be honest with you. It is a challenge, but it's being spirit-filled. And finally, we said a spirit-filled man has a spirit of submission. 
Do you back down quickly? Are you up for the fight? Those who are up for the fight are not spirit-filled. That's challenging, isn't it? Do you look for opportunities to defer to others? Are you more interested in the will of God for others than what you want for yourself? Are you spirit-filled? I said this to you already quite a while ago, but I'll say it again. Years ago, a man in a prayer meeting was crying out to God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then another person responded, Lord, don't fill him, he leaks. And brethren, we all leak. We all leak. But the question is, do you want to be filled again? Do you want to start plugging the holes? Let's rededicate ourselves this morning to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What do you think? Let's spend a few moments in prayer and ask God to fill us again with the Spirit and